Our God is a God who saves. When we're drowning in our fears, anxieties, our tears, he rescues us, lifts us up from the waves, beauty for ashes in a beautiful exchange. This is our God who loves us faithfully, freely. His love transforms and changes, brings us hope and healing. A God who loves more than words could ever say. He knows our deepest thoughts yet loves us anyway. Our God is strong, victorious. He's the creator of the universe. He is glorious. Our friend, comforter, companion and guide crying out to you now, his arms open wide. This is our God. Thank you. Keep, keep your hands together. Let's welcome everyone joining us online. Lester, guys, great to be with you last week. And welcome everyone to this final episode in what I think has been an amazing series. This is our God looking at the book of Isaiah. Well, first a question for you today. I, I wonder what's the most stunning place that you've ever been to? You'd ever, either you'd like to go there or you've been there. Or, and it's so amazing, it's like, one visit wouldn't be enough. Maybe, maybe it's the Grand Canyon, maybe it's the Seychelles, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's Venice, maybe it's Barnsley, <laughs> or Blackpool, you know, any, any of the greats. Well, a few months ago, Zoo and I, we, we got invited to go to one of the places that was right at the top of my bucket list, if there's such a thing, and that's the city of Rome. We'd actually been invited to go and do a wedding in a castle, in Rome. Not a tricky question, would you, would you agree? It's like, yeah, I think, I think we're up for that. Um, anyway, we went there, we uh, had a great weekend there and we stayed one extra day to try and see the sights of Rome. Like to see a few pictures of Rome? Yeah. Okay, so he, he, here's a few coming on the screen behind me. Just, so there's the Basilica uh, in the Vatican City. That is the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Impressed? Beautiful. Okay, this is the inside of the Colosseum. And then the final one, which is the inside of, and I mean, look at that, stunning, isn't it? Would you agree? Yeah, those are four of the places we missed. <laughs> now, I, I, really, I really don't want you to be too harsh on my wife, Zia. She, she's normally a fantastic navigator, but uh, here's the truth. We actually spent a lot of time in the outskirts of Rome, and there are some beautiful high-rise flats there. But it wasn't, wasn't really what we'd kind of come to see. Um, but don't blame her, okay? She's normally a great navigator. Uh, let's just say we did do 32,000 plus steps that day, and I have evidence to prove it, but I'm over it, <laughs> honestly. Now, the truth is though, when we got to the centre of Rome, for anybody who's been, it is absolutely stunning. Everywhere you turn, there's like breathtaking history after breathtaking history. When you, when you look at what's there and you think, wow, this is what people in Italy were living like over two and a half thousand years ago. And we were living in mud huts here in the UK. You think, oh my word, this is extraordinary. And certainly for both me and Zia, we're planning on going back to see some of the places we didn't manage to see this time. And it's like it's put in us though a desire to say, let's keep that on our list and keep going back. But here's the thing, stunning as that was, and yeah, we wanna go back and do that again, it is nothing compared to the wonder of getting to know our God. Would you agree? It's like, Rome is amazing. 
but talk to me about the Lord. And I, I hope you've enjoyed this, this series. I mean, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Isaiah at some of the attributes of God. And um, let me remind you, he, what is he like? He's merciful and he's mighty. He's holy and he's approachable. He's a servant and he's a king. He is gentle and he's great. He is everything you and I could ever want him to be and far more besides. Well, today we're coming to another passage, great passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, where we read this. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now, in some ways, we come to this passage, we're doing a little bit of a turn. We have, over the last few weeks, been looking at what theologians would call the attributes of God. But actually today, we're turning right to the core, the very essence of who God is, as revealed as the Trinity. One being, three persons. Now, my sense has been, as I've been preparing for this, my sense is that you and I, wherever you are today, we are on holy ground. And it's almost like it's time really to take our, our shoes off, if you like, as Moses did at the burning bush, and say, oh my Lord, we're in front of the one who is approachable, and yet he's above us, he's beyond us. And really the only right response when you get to the core of who God is, we're no longer, if you like, wandering in the outskirts, good as they are, as you get to the core of who he is, we are called to a place of awe and wonder where the goal is not so much a rational understanding, but it's an in-heart, Lord, you are above and beyond me. And Mike Reeves, who has written a wonderful book called The Good God, all about the Trinity, he says this, he says, seeing God's triune being is a chance to taste and see that the Lord is good, to have your heart won and yourself refreshed. For it's only when you grasp what it means for God to be a Trinity that you really sense the beauty, the overflowing kindness, the heart-grabbing loveliness of God. This is my invitation to you today, wherever you are today, my invitation to you today is taste and see how good the Lord is. Have your heart won afresh. Be refreshed in His goodness and His beauty. Sense that. He is overflowing with loving kindness and generosity. See, right at the core of this passage, right at the start, is, if you like, my first point, and I've only got two. First point is the wonder of the Trinity. Say that, the wonder of the Trinity. See, if you go back to that first sentence, uh, I wonder if you noticed it, we read this. Isaiah prophesies, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me. Now, I don't know if you notice there, but we have there one God, three persons. One being, three persons. Now, let's just dig into that. First of all, we see the sovereign Lord. Now, who is the sovereign Lord? Well, who would we say as New Testament believers is the sovereign Lord? You and I would say he's the Father. First person of the Trinity is the Father. Now, I don't know what your response is when you hear the word Father. Maybe it's a, a negative response. Maybe your Father's not been a good one. But I want to tell you something today. This Father is better than your wildest dreams. He's nothing like 
poor earthly fathers. In fact, those of you who've had good fathers, he's better than your best imagination of what a father can be like. He's almighty in power. Do you know, when this father shows up, mountains shake his presence. Chains get broken. And yet he's also gentle. He's kind. He heals the brokenhearted. He draws near. And he's a father. In Corinthians, when Paul talks about the father, he always uses the word, the love of the father. Here is a father who has loved you and I for all eternity. As I was preparing for today, I got a lovely song from Maverick City where the phrase is, you and I, we got history. We go way, way back. We go way, way back. And I was thinking, what does that mean? It means the Bible says God chose you before the foundation of the world. Can you imagine that? You have a heavenly Father who knew you before he made anything. You, if you're a Christian today, you've got history with the Father. It goes way, way back. He's loved you for all eternity. He has loved you and he always will love you. That's our Father. Now, how many of you agree? Yeah, come on, let's give him honour. To get to know that father would be enough. To get to know him, not know about him, actually know him would be enough. But there's more because God is not not one person, he's three persons. Who's the second person Isaiah talks about? Well, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. So who's the me in this passage? Well, it could be Isaiah, but actually Isaiah is prophesying ahead towards Jesus. And we know if you look at the rest of the Bible, you'll see the me here is Jesus Christ. Look ahead to to Luke chapter four. Jesus uh, entering into his public ministry, first public ministry occasion, he's handed the whole book of Isaiah. Which passage does he pick? He picks Isaiah 61 to read, and then he sits down and he said, this is me. You have just learned about me. I am the Messiah. In other words, when you look at Isaiah 61, the me in there, it's Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the eternal God. He is one with the Father. He has always existed, previously existing in perfect relationship with the Father and the Spirit in all eternity. Talks in John 17 about the glory that he shared with the Father and the Spirit. And then... 2,000 years ago or so, he became a man. Can you get that? Somehow God became an embryo in a teenage girl. (laughs) You can't grasp that with your head. You can only grasp it with your heart. Became a human being. He walked this earth. He understands what it means to be a human being. He was called the man of sorrows. He understands what you and I are going through. He walked what we walk through. And then he died on the cross. He actually died out of love for you and me. But he didn't stay dead, did he? He came back from the dead. He rose again. He smashed the power of death. He defeated the power of darkness. He got rid of the weight of sin. And now he's ascended to the right hand of the Father, reigning in glory. He is the ultimate authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus Christ, the second one of the Trinity. And again, we could just say, we could just spend the rest of eternity getting to know Jesus. But it doesn't end there. It's not just the Father. It's not just the Son. It's also the Holy Spirit. Because when again, you look at that one verse, it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Sovereign Lord that rests on me. That's on Jesus. Who who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I want to tell you something. He is not the Holy Ghost. Okay, I remember as a kid, when, I, when I was, I'd go to church with my parents, I wasn't yet a Christian. They talk about the Holy Ghost. I think, oh, that feels a bit scary. 
feels like something out of Scooby-Doo. Who, who, who is this third person of the Trinity? He's nothing like what you imagine when you hear a ghost. Everything you see in Jesus or the Father, you see in the Holy Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? He's loving. He's joyful. Do you know the Holy Spirit is the happy God? Do you know when you're in His presence, there is joy because that's what He is like. It's the very nature of who He is. He's patient. He's kind, he's gentle, he's faithful, he's good, he's ever-present. And Jesus said he's the paraclete, that's the Greek for he draws alongside you to help you. Do you know, you and I, we can only know God experientially because of the Holy Spirit. He's good, he's present. Paul writes about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means two-way conversation. He wants to chat with you. He wants to listen with you. He's a brilliant listener. Do you know when you're speaking to the Holy Spirit, he is utterly undistracted. You have his full attention. He's not thinking about a million other things. He's focused in upon you. And when he speaks to you, he doesn't speak general truth. He speaks straight to your heart. This is the Trinity. This is God. This is who God is. Not one of them. All three persons, one being. But there's actually something even more Remark, when you think about this, this is God living in an eternal relationship, if you like, with himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, how on earth do you describe that? You can't. But let me give you a couple of images. Think think of a fountain. Now, one of the places we did manage to get to in Rome is the Trevi Fountain. Anybody who's ever been there, what you have at the core of it is this flow of water that's so powerful, you almost can't hear yourself think. Thinking that, that's, that's like the eternal flow of life within the Godhead, from the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, the Spirit back to the Father, the Father back to the Spirit. You get the idea, there's been an eternal flow of life longer than before that fountain was built two and a half thousand years ago that has been flowing for all eternity and will carry on flowing. Or, or maybe you prefer, prefer a champagne fountain or maybe a chocolate fountain. This is what the Trinity is about. There is a constant flow of life. And right at the core, it's not champagne. It's better than champagne. It's not even chocolate. It's better than chocolate. It's love. When you get to the core of who God is, there is an eternal flow of love and honour from one to the other. So when you experience God and you get to the core of who He is, you are meeting everlasting, unfailing personal love. This is our God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in status and divinity, all of them having all that we ascribe to God, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere present, existing in an eternal relationship of life, self-existent, doesn't need anything outside himself, well, could carry on for all eternity on, on his own, one being, three persons, not three gods, but one. This is our God. And here's the wonder, if, if you're a Christian today, who does Paul, where does Paul say you are? Where are you in? You're in Christ. So when you became a Christian and you got placed in Christ, you came to experience the, the relationship that's going on in the Trinity for all of eternity. In other words, you get loved by the Father like Jesus is loved by the Father. 
You get to experience the Holy Spirit come to live on the inside of you. He's the same Spirit that rested on Jesus now rests on you and has come to live on the inside of you. You get to know Jesus so personally, the two of you can become one like a branch in a vine. How do you get that? And even more remarkable, in the book of John, we get to hear the Father says, Jesus says, me and the Father will come and make our home in you. Oh, my word. That would grow you a bit, wouldn't it? If you thought the Trinity has come to live on the inside of you. I think there might be a few room changes, a little bit of decorating to be done. The Trinity has come to live on the inside of you and me. Now, I, I kind of run out of words, so I turn to children's books. I want to read to you a little extract from the book Wind in the Willows, a wonderful book by Kenneth Graham. And in the book, we've got Rat and Mole, who are two of the key characters. And they're coming, they've got up early because they want to go and meet who they would describe as God. And I just want to read to you their encounter with God. Then suddenly, the mole felt a great awe fall upon him, an awe that turned his muscles to water, bowed his head, and rooted his feet to the ground. It was no panic terror. Indeed, he felt wonderfully at peace and happy. But it was an awe that smote him and held him. And without seeing, he knew it could only mean that some august presence was very, very near. Trembling, he raised his humble head. And then he looked into the very eyes of the friend and helper. And still, as he looked, he lived. And still as he lived, he wondered, rat. He found the breath to whisper, shaking. Are you afraid? Afraid, murmured the rat, his eyes shining with unutterable love. Afraid of him? Never, never. And yet, and yet, oh, Mole, I am afraid. Then the two animals crouching to the earth bowed their heads and did worship. I think that gives us a glimpse. I really believe that we are on holy ground. That when you approach this God for who he really is, the only right response really is it's worship and honour for who he is. You know, I, I want to encourage us. Let, let's keep praying. But please don't s settle for what you know about God. He is more wonderful than you've yet come to know. If, if you're not a Christian today, and you think you know God, come to know this Trinity. Realize what he's like. If you've wandered away from him, come back to him. And pray the prayer that Paul gives us in Ephesians 1, which is basically, Lord, open the eyes of my heart so that I can see who you are and actually come to know you more. Let's be a people who, when we come to worship, we, we pray that prayer. Lord, don't let me be casual. Let me come into your presence with an expectancy that I'm gonna see you in new ways. I'm only in the outskirts of who you are. Bring me in more and more into the center, not just to know about, but actually to know you experientially. Fine, why don't you just, wherever you are, just put your hand on your heart. I wanna, I wanna pray for us that that will be our experience. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person in this room and online that as we come out of this series in these next few weeks and months, that there will be an increased hunger and longing after the presence of our awesome, incredible God in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Now, I promised you two points. And actually, if we're going to do justice to this passage in Isaiah 61, we don't just see the wonder of the Trinity. 
we also see the mission of the Trinity. If you like, we've, we've seen who, something of who God is, a brief glimpse into who He is. But we actually also see what God does when you see the Father, the Son and the Spirit at work together. Notice this, Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 2 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has sent me to proclaim good news. He has sent me to. In other words, the, the, the Trinity is not only there for us to wonder at, the Trinity has a mission. They have purpose. There is a reason for their existence and therefore for you and my existence. And if you ask the question, what is the ministry, the mission of the Trinity? It's very simple. There's an overflow of life within the Trinity, think of the champagne fountain, that when you get placed in Christ is now flowing on the inside of you. So you receive the life of God into you, but it's never meant to stay there. God's intention was never, never that you and I would just enjoy yeah, we need to enjoy God, but never just enjoy Him. That actually now there's an overflow of His life into you that's to go through you into other people's lives for their transformation, even to cities and towns and nations. That's the mission of the Trinity. Just re read these wonderful words, okay? We, we, we've heard Jesus say, Spirit of the Lord is on me in order to, to what? Proclaim good news to the poor. Come on. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim freedom for the captives. The year of the Lord's favour and the day when God comes to deal with all injustices. To comfort all who mourn. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life and my life. As we open our lives up to the Trinity, He comes in and He changes us. But then Isaiah turns it and He says, he goes on, verse four, he says, they will. Who, who do you think of the they will? That's you. If you're a Christian, turn to the person next to you and say, this is about you. Okay, you are the they will. It says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's you. If you're in Christ today, you're an oak of righteousness, you're a planting of Jesus for the glory of his name. And what are you gonna do? You're gonna help rebuild ancient ruins. You're going to restore places long devastated. You're going to renew ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Come on, what a mandate, what a mission. That, that, that's the mission of the Trinity. And here's the thing, you and I have a part to play. Isn't that amazing? Do you think God could have done this on his own? What do you think? Of course he could. He chose not to though. Because of his love and his goodness, he says, come on, come on in. Play a part in the mission that I have, which is nothing less than the transformation of individual people's lives, cities, nations, and eventually the globe itself. Now, I don't know, I often hear people say, I need to get in on a mission that's bigger than myself. Beat that if you can. How about that? Getting in and playing our part in God's mission to change people's lives, nations, and the world. Now, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you what happens. What happened on Jesus can now happen on you and me. Listen, listen to this amazing promise Jesus said. Luke 24, 49. This is Jesus, risen from the dead, not yet ascended, speaking to his disciples a few weeks before the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. There's a lot of theology in there. Just, 
go with it. He said this, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. Now, what the Father had promised was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which up to that point had only been on individuals, particular people. What he's saying is there is a day coming when that same Holy Spirit who's rested on Jesus is going to be on you. That happened 2,000 years ago. But he says, but hold on. Stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Day of Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice something here. Jesus says, wait. What does he mean? He's saying, do not try to do this Christian thing all in your own strength. You might think you're really clever. You might think you're really smart or powerful. But what you need more than anything is being clothed with supernatural power from on high. Don't try to do it on your own. It's not about all your efforts. It's about the power of the Spirit resting on you. And here's the amazing thing. What he's saying is what came on Jesus when he was baptised in the Spirit, he's going to come on you. You're going to carry the same power that rested on him. Now, my experience in this was I, I can remember the first time I got filled with the Spirit. I uh, became a Christian age 17. A couple of years later, uh, I'm at uni. I'd been, the Spirit had come to live on the inside of me, but I wasn't yet baptised or filled with the Spirit. Uh, I'm at uni. One of my friends, lovely Anglican guy called Malcolm, he said, have you ever been baptised in the Spirit? I'm like, no, I don't know what you mean. So, well, basically, so what it means is, just as when you get baptised in water, you get absolutely soaked, have you noticed how it's done here? Push them under the water, make sure they get soaked. He said, well, when you get baptism in the Spirit, it's not just He comes to live on the inside of you, He comes to soak you. He comes to saturate you. In fact, it's better than being dunked in water. It's like standing under a waterfall, where it's like Niagara, where there's a flow of the life of the Spirit flowing through you. He said, he said, would you like that? Now, I've been asked daft questions in my life, but that will be right. There. Would you like the Spirit to come in your life? I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 I would. He prayed for me that day. Nothing weird happened. I just felt a new sense of peace on the inside. But I tell you, I noticed over time three things. Number one, the Trinity became more real to me. How many want to know God in a better way? You, you need the Holy Spirit. He is the one who comes to make. I noticed suddenly the Bible was no longer just hard work all the time and relying on my rational effort. It was the Spirit coming to say, Simon, this passage is for you. You, you, you need the Spirit to bring the Word alive to you. I noticed something as well. When we worshipped, I'm singing away and my arms are doing this. Oh, what are you doing up there? So Holy Spirit has come on the inside and He's like, come on, Jesus is in the house. I love Jesus. Get your arms up. He's worthy of worship and praise. And when you do that, you, you can't help it because Holy Spirit comes in the inside and He starts to cause you to want to lift up the name of Jesus. I noticed another thing. I got more answers to prayer. How many of you want more answers to prayer? <laughs> not always, not every single one. Waiting on quite a lot, but there are more specific things I could point to. I also noticed, and this was a surprise, that I could not just pray for people, but with them, sometimes they got healed. And I tell you, he was most surprised, me. And it wasn't about me, it was about the same power that rested on Christ had come now to rest on me. Those are the first two things I noticed. First of all, he comes to reveal God to us. Second, he comes to clothe us with power. Third, I noticed I leak. Anybody else? In other words, there are times when I'm very full of the Spirit, 
like on a Sunday morning when I got to preach, so I'm very prepared for it. But on a Wednesday evening when I've had a tough old week, I feel like, where are you, Holy Spirit? So what do you need if you leak? Not a hard question. You need filling again. Don't you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit? I, I have run out of time, but I, I wanna, wanna ask you that question today. Wherever you are, think about those three things. I shared with you that I became a Christian, I got filled with the Spirit, I needed filling later on. Where, where are you at? Have you given your life to Jesus? Because you have to do that first. Invite the Trinity into your life by the Spirit. Second, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you ha had that experience initially, receiving the baptism in the Spirit? And third, are you full today? Not were you full four years ago, are you full right now, this Sunday, which happens to be Pentecost Sunday. Now, wherever you are online, wherever in Leicester, guys, we're gonna see you later, have a great time. We're now gonna respond to the Lord in our different locations. So I wanna hear in the room, or online campus, if you'd like to stand with me for a minute. So what we're gonna do, I'm gonna, particularly because today is Pentecost Sunday, I've been looking forward to lead, leading you in a simple prayer. It's gonna be a, a prayer for God to come and to fill us afresh. Now, I, I know many of you in this room, many of you online, you're doing either okay and you're doing great. What you need is a fresh top-up. And you know, every time Jesus promises the Holy Spirit in a very simple way, it's not complex, he said, ask and you will receive. Say ask. No, ask, not ask. Ask. Okay, Holy Spirit is from Huddersfield. You need to know that. Okay, just ask. It's simple, isn't it? Holy Spirit, come. It's not complex. You don't have to speak in Latin or Greek. You just say, Holy Spirit, come fill me. For most of you online in the room, that's what you'll need to do. Just welcome the Holy Spirit to come. We're going to sing a song you know. The song is uh, Fullness, where we're reminded of what happened at Pentecost and we're just saying, Spirit, come and fill me. But I believe in this room, there are some others, you need to do something else. You're not yet a Christian. And you wanna give your life to Jesus for the first time today. Or you would count yourself a Christian, but you've gone a long way away from Him. And you know right now, you may be not even completely sure about your salvation. I wanna pray for you in a minute. And some of you, you are Christians, but you are bone dry spiritually. You know you're saved, just. The Bible is hard work, worship's harder still. And you haven't sensed experientially the presence of God for a long time. I wanna pray for you. But what I wanna do something slightly different this morning. If you're in one of those three categories, you're not yet a Christian, you've gone away from God, you're bone dry, so there's a fourth category. <laughs> or you've never been prayed for to receive the baptism in the Spirit. You know, you know you're going to heaven, you know you've met Jesus, but you've never been actually prayed for to be filled with the Spirit. We wanna pray for you, but I wanna ask you to do something bold. So we're gonna start singing this song. We're all gonna start responding to the Lord, welcoming His presence. But those of you who are in the room, if you're one of those four categories, I'd like to ask you to come down the front because I'd like to pray for you and we've got a team Team, could you start moving now? We've got a ministry team, we'd love to pray with you. Don't wait, just get moving. 
Now, those of you, if you're in those four categories, as soon as the song starts, don't worry about other people, just shove past them, push them in the face, whatever you need to do, and, and then come down to the front, okay? So you come now. If you've never given your life to Jesus, start coming. If you've gone away from Him, start coming. If you're bone dry, come on, don't look around. I know there's a lot of you. I've seen you in my, my prayer time. Just start coming. Ministry team, come down the front. Welcome people as they arrive. If you've never been, you're not sure to come. Nudge the person next to you and say, come with me. You don't have to come on your own. 